You are listening to the Good Day Wellness Podcast, a podcast dedicated to boosting your mood. I am your host, Melissa Fideli, and I'm here to support you on the way to calming your mind and nourishing all aspects of your life. Together, we can bridge the connection between body and mind and make every day a good day. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm so happy that you are here. This episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Waterbox, Australian natural pH 8 spring water inside a sustainable plant-based carton. Enjoy 10% off by using the code GOODDAY at waterbox.com.au. Today's episode is all about the things you can do every day to boost your mood naturally. I want this to be a little bit of a toolkit for you when you may be having a bad day or you're just not feeling like yourself. So, you know, you've got these in your back pocket and you can whip one out to really boost your mood. Now, of course, we all know the role nutrition plays in our mood. However, today's episode is going to be more so about the lifestyle and the mindfulness practices that are going to help you on your bad days. Now, bad days are inevitable and we are always going to have those moments, days or even weeks where we just don't feel great and this is part of life. However, there are always things that we can do to support our mental and our physical well-being and that's what I'm going to share with you all today. Now, these are all things that I can personally say that I have tried and tested myself. And for me, they work wonders. So I thought, you know, I'm going to put a little toolkit together to hopefully boost your mood too. Now, first up, of course, we have to start with our mood boosting tip of the day. Today, I'm sharing the importance of hydration because I feel like it fits really well with our um, episode sponsor, Waterbox. Now, did you know that anxiety and depression can be the byproduct of your brain being dehydrated. Now, the brain is very sensitive to changes in hydration levels. Even mild dehydration can affect cognitive function, including your attention, concentration, and mood regulation. So when the brain doesn't receive enough water, it may lead to irritability and that increase in anxiety. So dehydration can also stimulate the body's stress response, which involves the release of stress hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline. Now, this physiological stress response can trigger feelings of anxiety and make your existing anxiety symptoms a lot worse. Now, symptoms of dehydration can be pretty familiar to some of the symptoms you may experience when you're actually feeling anxious. So this includes dizziness, feeling like lightheaded, and an increased heart rate, which is why it is so important before thinking, oh my goodness, am I about to have a panic attack? Am I feeling super, super anxious? And working yourself up, just stopping and saying, okay, when was the last glass of water that I had? How much water have I had today? Or how much coffee have I had today instead of water? Ask yourself those questions. Anxiety really is made up of so many contributing factors from both lifestyle, physiological and dietary. So I think it's always really important when you're on your healing journey to address these small but mighty changes and really look into things a little bit more deeply. So something like 
like drinking enough water and staying adequately hydrated can be the first step in the right direction to calming the mind and boosting your mood. So a few tips on staying hydrated that I often give to my clients include always starting your day with a really tall glass of water to break your fast. Never let the first thing you drink in the morning be a glass or a cup of coffee. Make sure it is water. I like to start my day with warm lemon water. I feel like it just gets the everything moving and I like the taste. So that's how I start my day. Now, number two is have a drink of water before and after every single meal of the day. So typically you are going to eat three meals a day, three structured meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So if you're having a glass before and after each of those meals, that's six glasses of water each and every day. And if you're someone that struggles to even get two or three glasses in, that's going to make a significant impact in your hydration level. So it's just a little tip and a little reminder and also a cue as well because you know, okay, I'm about to eat. Oh, I better just drink my water and then again after. So that's a really good little tip there. Thirdly is always have a bottle of water on you at all times. This is crucial. I am pretty good with drinking water, but if I'm on the go or I'm on the road for the day or, you know, I'm, I'm in between appointments or whatever it may be, and I don't have a bottle of water on me, guaranteed I'm just not going to drink enough because I'm not going to go out of my way to get it or maybe I don't have access, whatever. So making sure you always have your little water bottle on you at all times is crucial. And my fourth little tip here, this is a bit more extreme, but if you really, really need extra support, set reminders on your phone. You can have reminders pop up every 30 minutes or every hour, and that can be just enough that you need to actually consume that water. Now, to go one step further on this point, replenishing dehydration and staying hydrated doesn't just mean drinking water. It's actually also about ensuring you are replenishing minerals and electrolytes such as sodium, potassium, calcium, and chloride, which all play vital roles in your bodily functions and your nervous system. So some great ways to do this is, as well as drinking filtered water, having things like coconut water with a pinch of pure Himalayan pink salt in there or having a natural electrolyte. So all very, very crucial. Electrolytes are lost through sweat and urine. So making sure you're having your electrolyte rich drink after a workout and in the morning is really important. Okay, that is our mood boosting tip of the day. So go get yourself some Waterbox Australia water and stay hydrated because it will boost your mood. So I'm going to structure this episode in a way that is from, you know, morning to night. So I'll talk about it in an order that might explain things in a course of action. So from the moment I wake up and that's just how I like to do these things. So that's how I'm going to explain it. Um, Essentially, as I always say, it's the little things that matter. So as well as these practices that I will share, I'll also encourage daily small habits that can really support your mental health on a bad day. Okay, so say you wake up in the morning, you feel sluggish and tired, and you just can already tell you are feeling a little anxious. Here is what I would recommend you do first thing in the morning. Firstly, avoid going on social media. Just avoid your phone at all costs if you can. You know, I know your alarm's probably on your phone, so just 
press a little button that says alarm off and that's it. Don't touch your phone. Do your best to just give yourself at least, you know, up until breakfast to avoid the socials, to avoid the emails and all the distractions. Not only does the light emitted from your phone mess up your hormone production because it's the first light you see and the first light you should see in the morning is natural sunlight, but looking at notifications, emails, and social media can actually spike your cortisol levels really high first thing in the morning, which is just setting you up for anxiety. Now, when you are already feeling on edge and anxious, going on your phone is just not helping at all. It's actually making you feel worse. I know it seems like a comfort, so our phone has become something that is like a safety net, but, you know, and we are quite addicted to our, our devices, but, you know, there are those days and those mornings where you just need to set boundaries and do what you need to do because you know it's going to make you feel better. So it may be like, oh, I don't know if I can do that or I really want to reach my phone or I just want to sit here mindlessly scrolling. Let me tell you, it's not mindless. It is not mindlessly scrolling. You are taking everything in. You are taking it all on board and it all is having an impact. So really, really try and avoid your phone. So instead of going on your phone, when your alarm goes off, I want you to take a big deep breath Get out of bed immediately and open up the blinds. Now let that light in and then make your bed, like fix your bed and make your bedroom look nice. That's it. There are four very simple things that can become some of the most important things you do in your day to support your mental health. So they're the simple things that I talk about. So let me break it down for you even further. We have already spoke about the use of your phone, but let's talk more about snoozing your alarm and why you shouldn't do it. Now, snoozing your alarm in the morning is one of the worst things you can do for your cognitive function. When your alarm goes off in the morning, you wake up from a deep sleep. Then you reach over and snooze your alarm and fall back into a very, very light sleep for anywhere between five to nine minutes. This doesn't give your body enough time to fall back into a deep restorative sleep. So this leads to what we call fragmented sleep, which is less restful than uninterrupted sleep. It disrupts the natural sleep cycle, potentially leaving you feeling really groggy and less refreshed when you do actually decide to get up. So contributing to that is also the confusion that you're causing your circadian rhythm. So when you snooze, you're sending mixed signals to your body clock about when it's time to wake up, which is leaving you feeling so out of it and why it's taking you hours and hours in the morning to actually feel slightly awake and why you feel groggy for the rest of the day. Now, when you are feeling low and going through a period of increased stress and anxiety, these feelings of tiredness, grogginess and fatigue are really not helping at all and they're only making you feel a lot worse. So my solution here is if you need more sleep, set your alarm a little later than usual. Instead of being ambitious and setting it at 6am because you're like, oh, I'll get up and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I really want to get into a better habit of getting up really early. But you know that you're just going to snooze until 6.45. Then just set your first alarm for 6.45 and get yourself up as soon as your alarm goes off. You're getting that 45 minutes of actually having a deep, restful sleep 
rather than nine minutes here, nine minutes there, another nine minutes here of disrupted broken sleep that isn't doing your body and your mind any favors. So I think let go of that ambition of, oh, I need to get up super early. No, you don't. If you're not feeling it, if you're feeling really exhausted, you know that your body needs more sleep and you're going through a period of high levels of stress, you are better off having extra sleep than getting up and doing all these other things on your to-do list. So set your alarm a little bit later. Now, Mel Robbins talks about the five-second rule, which I love, and I actually started doing this when I got into a really bad habit of snoozing. And basically what it is, is you, it's so simple, you count down from five. So you go five, four, three, two, one. And on one, whatever it is you have to do, so whether that's going to the gym, waking up out of bed, whatever, you get up and you have to do it. So basically your mind in that five seconds, you've got five seconds to tell yourself, no, I'm doing this. I have to do it. I have to get up and it will happen. So it, I find that is something that really helped me. And as you start getting into that habit and routine, you realize that you didn't really want to snooze anyway. So try the five second roll. When your alarm goes off in the morning, if you if you feel that you're about to snooze it, count down from five, five, four, three, two, one. When one comes, you sit up, sit up and actually get up out of bed. I find it's really, really helpful. So your mind can do tricky things sometimes. So this practice is really, really great. So in summary, The tip here is don't snooze your alarm in the morning, get up and get moving. Okay, let's move on to something I do when I'm feeling super anxious or I feel a panic attack coming on or maybe I'm already in a state of really high anxiety and really high panic. Now, it is having a really cold shower, so straight up cold water. I will literally strip down and get under a cold shower. It's so hard, but you know what? Nine times out of 10, it actually works because when you get under that freezing cold shower, you literally cannot think about anything else other than that cold water hitting your body and your breathing immediately changes. You start breathing differently to try and breathe through it, to try and get through it. So your thought process changes. Suddenly you're not so focused on whatever was making you panic previously, and it just shifts your perspective a lot. So cold exposure prompts the release of endorphins, which are natural chemicals in the brain associated with feelings of well-being and reduced pain perception. So this can lead to an improved mood and a sense of calm. So cold exposure has been associated with increased levels of non-epinephrine, which is a neurotransmitter that plays a really big role in your mood regulation. So higher levels of non-epinephrine can contribute to your improved mood and reduced anxiety. So this practice over time can also lead to increased resilience and help you better cope with stress. So we see a lot of people getting on the ice bath trend recently. It's it's definitely been something that has been flooding our social media in probably the last couple of years. But honestly, it's one of those trends that is a really good one. I believe it is great and it's so good for your mental health and your physical health. So I know that, you know, you see the ice baths and yes, you could do an ice bath, but honestly, getting under a freezing cold shower, it 
it works a treat. It does enough. And I find that it's been so helpful. Now for long term, And if you want to include this practice into your routine, just because it has so many amazing benefits, I suggest whenever you actually go and you have a shower and, you know, you're you're about to get out the shower, you've done what you've had to do, just turning the water completely cold and standing under there for as long as you can and taking deep breaths. Now that the weather is heating up and it's a lot warmer, it's actually a lot easier to do this. And trust me, doing this in the morning it will increase your focus and calm your mind before a big day. So whenever I do a morning gym session, I'll come home, I'll have a shower. I will always, always end the shower on cold, probably because my body's already really warm. So I don't find that the cold is as painful at the start. It's still very hard, um, but I'll get under there and, you know, some days I'll do 20 seconds, some days I'll do 30 seconds, some days I'll do two minutes. It really depends. But as you continue to do it, you build up that resilience and it's kind of like a challenge and you want to see, oh, can I do a little bit longer today? Um, And it's a great way to get your breath in a really, really good flow. So I suggest if you haven't tried this one, try cold exposure, especially when you're feeling super anxious, you're having a bad day. It's a really great way to kind of knock you out of it, which is amazing. Okay, now I did say that this episode wouldn't be about food, but guys, I'm a nutritionist. I actually cannot help myself. Now, this is more so about what not to consume. And I feel like I can't do this episode with at least touching on this. So I swear I won't take a lot of time on this, but the things I want you to look at reducing or avoiding are coffee any sort of energy enhancement drink, alcohol, and also highly processed foods that are rich in sugar. So when you're feeling already anxious, on edge, you're having a really bad time at you know the current time, whatever it is, I want you to look at how much of these foods that you're eating and do your best to reduce them. Now, each one of these foods, things, these foods, has a negative impact on your mental well-being, in particular your cortisol levels. So often when we are stressed, we reach for alcohol to, you know, relax and decompress, but it actually does the opposite because it's it's a depressant on our body. And energy drinks just leave you jittery and flat after you crash once you've had them because, you know, they spike your levels of cortisol, they spike your energy. And then because they're so processed and rich in sugar, you immediately crash afterwards, which is why they are so addictive. But that up and down is just, it's its not great. And then of course, you've got coffee, which can lead to you feeling a lot more anxious. And you know, you get that jitteriness, your increased heart rate, all of those emotions. Now, processed foods just cause a rise and fall in your blood sugar levels, and not to mention contribute to gut issues over a period of time. And as we all know, because I spoke about it in our first episode, the gut is so connected to your mood and by nourishing your gut, you are boosting your mood. So you really want to look at the foods that are going to take away from gut health and also add to it. Now, in saying this, I get when you aren't feeling great, you may want to have 
some of these things. Personally, when I'm having a bad mental health week or day, I love to go get ice cream. It makes me feel good. I love to go with my partner or my friends and we go out and we get an ice cream and I sit there and I'm happy. So I'm not saying to never have these things. What I'm saying is is just to be aware of what you are consuming over the day and how much of it you are consuming. If your diet is predominantly made up of all these stimulating foods and you know they're super rich in sugar and they're super spiking of your cortisol levels, then that is something that needs to change. The goal is moderation and listening in to what your body needs. So I love to drink coffee. But if I wake up in the morning and I can already feel my heart rate is raised because I'm feeling anxious already or I know that I've got a really stressful day ahead or, you know, I've had a really rough sleep because I was overthinking all night, I know that by waking up and going and have a coffee is not going to solve any problems. It's only going to make me feel worse. So instead, I will have something like a matcha latte or a chai latte, something that still gives me that comfort and that warmth. And something like matcha does still contain small amounts of caffeine, but it doesn't come with a side effect. So it's about figuring out what's going to work for me. Let's make an aligned choice and let's be aware of what my body needs and wants right now in this moment. Okay. So it's all about those choices. Okay. We are moving on to one of the most effective mood boosters of all time, and it is exercise. Exercise is the one thing that we can all do in one form or another that will almost immediately boost your mood. When you move your body, you release endorphins, which are known as your feel-good hormones. So whether it's a brisk walk, yoga, dancing in your underwear in your room, doing a hit workout or, you know, going to the gym and and lifting weights, whatever form of physical activity you enjoy, it can significantly improve your mood. There are so many studies on the effectiveness of exercise on your mood. So get that body moving. And I know when you may not be feeling great, the last thing you actually want to do is go and do a workout. I get that. But sometimes in those moments, we need to give ourselves a little push to do the things our body and mind will thank us for after. You will never regret doing a workout and it doesn't need to be anything crazy like, you know, I've got to go for a 10 kilometer run. It can literally be just getting outside and walking around a park or doing a 10 minute yoga flow right next to your bed in your pajamas. So doing what feels good for you and what works for you. Now, I'll share a little bit of my story, but personally, starting a running routine has been the best thing for my mental well-being. I find that it's not so much the run itself, but what it has done for my mind. So the whole time I'm running, I swear I am fighting with my mind that is telling me to stop. So my mind is saying, stop, Melissa, you can't do this, you can't do this. But I keep going until I reach my goal. So 
by the end of my run, I feel like I have gained so much resilience because I have proved to myself that I'm stronger than my negative and limiting thoughts, that I can work through them and rise above them. And that is so powerful. That's been the best thing. Like I like to do all sorts of exercise, but there's something about this challenge of running that has been something that I have fallen in love with so much and not so much for the physical side of it. Like that's great and all, but it's it's what it's been doing for my mental well-being, which has been great. So find whatever running is for you. And that could be anything you want it to be. But I guarantee by doing that and giving yourself a little push, you won't regret it. Now, of course, in saying all of this, there are definitely going to be those moments where you just, you do need to rest. You're feeling mentally fatigued and you're just not feeling great. But when this is going on for consecutive days or maybe weeks, that's when you need to give yourself a pep talk and you need to pick yourself up because the longer you let it go, the longer you go without doing nothing in terms of movement and exercise, the harder it is going to be when you actually decide to go, you know, and you're going to find it so much more difficult to find a good routine, to find something you love. So after, you know, a couple of days or whatever it may be, get yourself up, get yourself going. Trust me when I say you will not regret it. You will feel amazing for it afterwards. Okay. And lastly, of course, there was no way I was leaving this one out, but it is journaling. No matter what stage of your day, whether it's morning, lunchtime, afternoon or bedtime, you can whip out your journal and it will help you with your mood. For me, journaling is something that I do when I'm anxious because I spend so much time in my head when I'm feeling those feelings of anxiety. So journaling is a way for me to take those overwhelming thoughts that are on my mind and put them on paper. Once they are on the paper, I can reflect over these big, scary thoughts and clearly see that most of the time, 50% of them are made up or exaggerated. 25% of them haven't even happened yet and probably never will happen. And the other 25% is stuff that I can actually manage because it's stuff that I've probably felt like a thousand times before. So When we are in our heads all the time, it's so hard to differentiate between what is real and what is made up, what's normal and what's exaggerated. But journaling is a simple tool that you can do to help you work through all of that. It's also a great practice that requires nothing but your journal and a pen. No one or nothing else. No one needs to be there. You don't need to be talking to anyone. It's it's all about you and you can do it at any time. It builds resilience. It helps you understand yourself on a deeper level and it just helps you just know yourself. And it's that understanding and that knowing of oneself that creates the most positive changes. That knowing is power. So the Good Day Journal has been designed to help you understand yourself, learn what it is that makes you happy, what triggers you, who you enjoy being around and what makes you feel good. That is power. And it gives you, you know, those daily check-in points so you can reflect on 
how you felt that day. How often do we go through life without even stopping for five minutes and asking the question, how do I feel today? That is what the Good Day Journal is there for. It's to empower you to get to know yourself on a deeper level, to help you work through these anxieties and calm your mind. Journaling truly is an amazing mood boosting practice. And if you haven't started it yet, you need to. Trust me, it is the best thing ever. It changed my life. I will talk about it all the time. I hope you don't get sick of it. (laughs) Okay, so... In summary, the tips that I want you to add into your toolkit are, firstly, stop snoozing your alarm. As soon as your alarm goes off, I want you to get up and get out of bed. Two, when you are feeling super anxious, I want you to have a cold shower. No matter where you are, what you're doing, try and excuse yourself, go away in your home and have a cold shower. Next up is avoid stimulants in your diet and find balance and moderation. So avoid the things that you know are going to make you feel more anxious. Third, I mean fourth, sorry, move your body and exercise when you feel low. Find a form of movement that you actually enjoy, that your body loves and stick to it, especially when you're having a bad day. And lastly, journal your way through your anxiety to calm your mind. So grab yourself a good day journal and reflect. No matter what time it is of the day, sit down, have a tea and write down, check in with yourself, get to know yourself a little better. It will help you. Now, I hope you have loved this episode. This is a topic so close to my heart, so I hope that it helps you or someone that you know in one way or another. I would also really love to hear more about what you do when you're feeling anxious. So come and join the Good Day Wellness group on Facebook and let's get chatting. I love learning from all of you as much as, you know, I try and teach you all my my ways as well. So thank you again to today's episode sponsor Waterbox, offering sustainable on-the-go alternative to plastic bottled water. Make a difference with Waterbox and get 10% off your first order using the code GOODDAY. Alternatively, you can find Waterbox at your local Foodland or IGA in SA, Vic and New South Wales. Thank you again for tuning in today. If you loved this episode, please make sure to leave us a nice review and share it on your socials. Love you guys so much and I will see you back here for another mood boosting episode very soon. Bye.